All right. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the CV Update. Once again, we had a week filled with games and important sports news since our last episode, including nine Red Sox games, four Bruins games, four Celtics games, some more Patriots discussion as the NFL draft is just five days away, and we'll also discuss the Super League and the disaster it was. Additionally, just one note with regards to the NFL draft, as this is the last weekend before the NFL draft begins next Thursday, April 29th, we will be back tomorrow with some special guests dedicating an entire episode to the draft. So today's episode will be more focused on the Red Sox, Bruins, and Celtics. We'll talk a little bit about the Patriots and we'll discuss the Super League as well. And of course, joining me as always is my co-host, Rohan Venkatesh. Rohan, how are you doing tonight? What do I have to say this week? Uh, what, what is it? Nine games in seven days for the Red Sox, uh, seven inning double headers, uh, runners on second base and extra innings. So a lot of things have changed over there. In addition to that, I've never seen an entire league about to be born in one week, only to be extinguished a few days later. The Heineken commercial, by the way. So, 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 so these, these are some these are some funky times. Wait, Rohan, did you see that Heineken commercial? Don't drink and start a league. Did you see that Heineken commercial? That was. I, I I I I have not seen that Heineken commercial. I have seen uh, the other Heineken commercials for for don't drink and do whatever whatever it is. Uh, but but then again, but then again, I do not want to do free advertising for Heineken, as there are many other beers in the world. That is true. <laughs> I have my I have my preferences, and I will not mention them on air unless they pay me. <laughs> yep, fair enough. But anyways, let's talk about the Red Sox first, as um busy week week for them, as we mentioned, nine games and kind of a mixed stretch. I mean, they went four and five. Um, obviously, um, they're currently in the midst of a four game series against the Seattle Mariners. Um. Started on Thursday, they lost today, eight to two, very bad game. Nathan Navaldi got kind of crushed. Um, it was Mariners were up four nothing after two innings. And Rohan, I'd just like to say this: like we praise the Red Sox offense, and the Red Sox offense is very good. But the other like pitching's everything. But, yeah, that's the thing. If like, you're not if pitching, you're down, like the whole team falls apart. Exactly. Like if you're down I, 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 pointed, I pointed last week. I pointed last week that the, that the bullpen was struggling. You say no, no, it's not the bullpen; it's the starters. And 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 I have to say, I have to credit you. Were right about that because. Uh, two innings, they were down four nothing or something. I mean, Evaldi, who's supposed to be one of our one of our uh, better starters. I mean, I, of course, it, it, I just think it's more of an off start for him. Era, He's been pretty. And good. it kind of looks like, it, yeah, it kind of looks like Erod is, is like the de facto head of the staff where Chris Sale comes in. But but I mean, Evaldi, I mean, he's been pretty good. Yeah, like you said today. Today, I want to think that today was an off day. I don't want to think that today was was a uh, representative. I think it was. I think it was. I mean, he's been pretty good. But like, I don't know. It just. Brings me to it, like if like the offense is always facing like a four nothing five, and not always like the pitching rotation. Is it's just, it's just demoralizing. It's so demoralizing. How many times can you expect them to keep playing catch up and keep coming back every single time? Like even like uh, if we go back to the, we're, we're going to discuss this a lot because this has been kind of a big issue. But the game on um, the twenty first of April against Toronto, it was um they lost six to three, and the reason it's notable is because Garrett Richards. Well, played that day he pitched that day for the Red Sox and he in four and two-thirds innings he allowed four hits and four earned runs and I don't know Garrett Richards he really has not re- acclimated well here and it, it, I don't know like I don't yeah. just like I mean, give me one second Rohan Let yeah. just talk, let's just talk about this because this is kind of like a big thing and we were discussing a little bit before but I want to really capture this to our audience Garrett Richards basically for his like after the last game he's basically said i mean i didn't even pack a jacket for a season until this year so i'm going on my ninth almost 10th year so yeah you know it's something different but it's nothing to him that that can be dealt 
Nothing that can't be dealt with. I think that's a typo on that. Uh, um, by by itself, that statement sounds bad, but there's some context to it. That was in response to uh, a question that a reporter asked him, uh, asking something along the lines of like, what, why, why has he been struggling? I mean, like, he, he was a phenomenal pitcher several years ago. And, and even as recently as last week or a couple of weeks ago, I wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt. And uh, like, it wasn't just one bad start. It was a, it was a, really he's had like one good start so far, right? He's had one good start and he had like an okay start, like an okay start. And then, and then just another disaster. And so like, and, and so given, given that it, it, I really don't know uh, if, if he, if Garrett Richards is, is, is worth being given the benefit of the doubt for much longer. I mean, unfortunately you're, when you, were, you, when you were, have when, him for the whole year. You were, you, were, you, you were criticizing him a, a while ago and, 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 uh, and, I, and I was saying, no, 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 give him a chance. But, but I'm, I, I'm not there yet, but I'm starting to, believe that you might have been right about that and well here's the thing like unfortunately i don't want to be right like i want Gary richard like he was good with the angels we know that but that was also six seven years ago 2014 he had that terrific season but that was seven years ago and 2015 was his like last really good season i don't really i don't want to count 2020 because that was a abbreviated season but really like 2014 2015 that's like those, those are two years you could say he was like an ace of the angels staff but what i kind of want to go with for garrett richards is we're basically like the Red Sox signed him to a one-year, ten million dollar contract. Like you can't just designate him for assignment just four games in. I mean, you shouldn't do that. Like you still want to like let him work through and maybe. Well, it depends. Be- Doesn't matter how much you're paying him. If if uh, having him on the roster and having him pitch is a liability for your team. I mean, that's what's happened at this point. Come on, like the rest of the rotation has actually been pretty good. Martin Martin Perez, he's been sort of seen as the weak link. He actually did really well yesterday. That, that ten million dollars is a sunk cost. That's a sunk cost. So as far as it goes right now, it doesn't matter. They already owe him $10 million. That's not going to change whether they put him in the game or whether they don't put him in the game. What really is going to matter is whether they call him back next year. And basically, well, he has a club option. So here's the thing. He I can, I can almost certainly say no. Well, let's see. I mean, it is early. And I mean, you hope, right? Like in April, maybe he'll turn into a pretty serviceable guy down the road and Maybe he'll improve. I mean, look, it's early right now, but I don't know. Let's also just talk about some of these other guys. Nick Pavetta. I, I actually, no, I, I no, I mean, like, I, I actually think that they should just move the bullpen. I mean, I think it's early for that. Like, I, as much as I want to rip him right now, and there's plenty. No, no, no. You can, keep, keep him in the game. No, keep, no, keep him in the game. I mean, he's still got a chance to, to play and, and show these. Who do you have instead now? Who, who do you put in this place then if you put him in the bullpen? Who do you put? Uh, that's a good question. I don't have Exactly. Any. Exactly. So, like, at this point, I'm like, do you trust Darvinson Hernandez or someone? Like that out of the as a starter now you saw or or, or 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 you could or you could go with the raise approach and have one of those bullpen oh no 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 you are the Tampa Bay Rays have yeah, I mean, the, the, the blue, hey yeah, like the, the Blue Jays did it successfully against 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 us like last week I mean so, if it happens for piece, a game but they, the, they they piece together like three or four relievers over, over the span of nine innings like it's it's not no no that is not a way to actually successfully win it's it's, it's 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 non-traditional but it's not it's not like it can't work uh i have my doubts so many things that. are not so, so many things are non-traditional defensive shifting that's not traditional you you know like i just want to bring this up because like this has been brought up at this new age of analytics zach Britton, you know who he is yankees uh really yeah you know I, who he, he used is, to right? play for the orioles like, you yeah 
So he played, so this is in 2019, and I believe, I think this is what he said um, at some point during the series, because against when it was the Yankees and Astros in the ALCS that year, 2019, which the Astros, of course, won in six games. Um, what what Britton said, which kind of caught my eye, was he was kind of critical of this whole approach of like every day, like the relievers get that much action, because in his words, he said, you know, we are relievers at the end of the day. Like, I don't, I'm going to kind of paraphrase what he's saying, so don't, and I may misquote him a little bit. Apologies to Zach Britton if I sort of misquoted what you said. But the gist of what I got from what Zach Britton said that day was, you know, at the end of the day, there's a reason we are relievers. Like if we keep seeing the same guys over and over again, the way starters do, then they're going to figure us out. That's why we're relievers because you only see us for an inning or so. That's why our strength. So that's why I kind of go with the, and I'm, I'm tying this back in, if you can now understand, to the whole like close, the whole like opener approach, like the bullpen, like starter reliever. If that keeps happening, eventually the hitters are going to figure these guys out because these relievers, there's a reason they're relievers. Well, well yeah, it's just going to shrink the gap, right? Because right now with starters, they see the same guys over and over again. But they're good because they're able to adapt themselves, they, 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 right? They, they, only see, they only see people once or twice or something like that. So so the relievers have that advantage of mystery, as you mentioned. You know, previously. Yeah, and that's like, and they need but, but, that. But if, you, otherwise... but if you have these bullpen games, what's, what's going to end up happening is that is that the starters are going to are going to start to see uh, new hitters less and less, and relievers are going to start to see hitters more and more, and it's just going to it's going to be the natural progression of the gap shrinking between starters and relievers, where uh, where where the status of starter or reliever isn't really going to matter anymore. It's just going to matter. Can you? Put in two or three innings and and get us through this. That that's I, I feel like that's the way that the game is evolving. And I I, I think like give it five or ten years, and I think that's pretty much where it's going to be at. Possibly. I mean, look at how much the, the game's con- already changed. I, I, because because I, I feel like I feel like in ten years the concept of the starting pitcher is going to be obsolete. And well, that's bad. That is bad. And, if that's and, what's happening. And and, and, all, and all the stats that say that that you got to go five plus innings as a starter in order to get a victory. That's gonna be I, no, 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 no. You, you, that can't be the case. If that's the case, then baseball is really well. Well, well, no, 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 no. Because because teams are just gonna do what's gonna make them more likely to win. And 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 and, and look, I, I don't know. Does that actually increase your chances of winning? Like having this whole like opener approach where you have multiple relievers over the course of the game. Does that actually increase your chances of winning? Like the Dodgers, the Nationals, the Red Sox, the Astros, the last four World Series champions. They all had a legitimate rotation that helped that team win. They didn't go with that whole like opener stuff. Like you have a reliever. Like I know Tampa Bay got to the World Series. It was a sixty-game season, so it's kind of hard for us to really look at it. Well, it's, it's possible because because right now the standard the standard pitching rotation, the tr- traditional pitching rotation, is five pitchers, five starters. But if you have say like seven or eight starters who are of starting pitcher caliber, then you can have like you can you can have like three core stars and have like the other five. Talk about the All Star game, and, like you have and, like these guys like come in, these starters pitch like multiple innings and stuff like that. That sounds like what the All Star game usually happens. Yeah, but, it's unusual. Yeah. It's, it's it's unusual, but it's it's unusual, but it's not unfathomable. It, it definitely can happen, and and all it takes all it takes is for uh, more research to be done to see whether or not having bullpen games is better or not for your win-loss record, whether it's um, better or not compared to if you take each pitcher's wins above release, uh, wins above replacement statistic. Or, yeah, that's dead. Okay. Yeah, 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 like, yeah if, if, if you take all that, look, look, I, I get it, right? I, I get I get that uh, a, lot of, a lot of the traditionalists love to hate the analysts right there. Oh, analytics, oh, I hate these guys. 
but but I mean, okay, I want no and 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 and, and, there, and, no, and 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 I do concede that 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 the analytics are often wrong. I don't dispute. It's not about being often wrong, but no. not. Here's but but not using analytics means that you're going to be wrong a lot more often. No, no, no. But here's the thing with you're analytics. You're going to be right a lot more often you, than you're going to be wrong. You have to understand. Then, then, yes, if you're going to go with an approach that that is going to give you N number of more wins per year, yes, that that's, that's – that's, All right, right. Rohan, Rohan, wait. Here's the thing, though, about analytics. And I want to just bring this up. It's not that people are really against this whole analytics approach. They're just really upset about how analytics has kind of changed because – Look, let's be realistic. The analytics approach for the last two World Series, it impacted it badly. And and, bad and yes, and yes, the analytics and were wrong is, last last year. Too. But that's so that's a costly. Those are just, those wrong. are costly mistakes. Those actually impact. You know the number of jobs that are impacted by losing a World Series versus winning a World Series. That impact the impacts are very de- like. It's not You're just not that, wrong right? Like that. you had that. You're not wrong about that point, but but you can easily point to several instances where analytics were not used and a bad result happened for one team or the other. And that can be pointed to on the other hand and as, as evidence that. The yeah. Trip- so no. So I think the better approach is you use analytics as, with, as like a complimentary thing. I think you should. It's a tool. It's a yeah, tool. It's it not everything. A complimentary but, but it's tool. a tool. It's like, a tool. I don't agree with the binder approach where like, you give a manager of all. I, I think it's okay to give a manager the statistics and data, and then you let the manager kind of manage the flow of the game and use it to help them. If that's what's what being I, used, then I actually am in favor of that. What I don't want is I just don't want a manager to just blindly look at the thing and say, okay, uh, I want to use this reliever here because um, the stats say all this stuff. Like you should also look at like kind of the game situation. Bullpen situations, right? It, it, like, it, like this certain hitter is coming up, and you, you you got a guy in the bullpen who has better numbers against that particular. Hitter. They usually do that. Like that's what they He's already currently pitching. No, no, no. Like th- th- then then it makes sense to put that pitcher into the game. Now, look, if you bring that other pitcher to the game, and that pitcher gives up a hit or a home run or some some bad event occurs for your team, then all of a sudden the anti analytics guys are going to be like, shouting, oh, see, see, yeah, analytics are crap. Well, we can't do that. But at the same time. Uh, I, I bet that those people are going to be silent if uh, you're if you don't bring that guy into the game, and the same result or a worse result ends up happening. And so I I, I can't help but think that people who dunk on analytics are just they they, they probably don't know what they're talking about. I, Possibly. I mean, I don't they're, think they're, so. I think I think they're just more like they don't want the game to be impacted too much by analytics. Like no, these- I, I I just think that 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 that, that it's an anti nerdification kind of sentiment. It's an anti intellectual segment uh, sentiment, and, and so like given all of that, uh, like because we get it right, sports it's physical, right? I mean, that also impacts who you're signing in free agency, right? Like you go by the spin rate or like all that stuff, like that you like have to analyze. Like Garrett Richards, one of the primary reasons they went for Garrett Richards, the Red Sox, is because of his spin rate on his like. Uh, on his fastball, I think, or his curveball. So there's like all this like stuff, like analytics that. But, but okay, that. Uh, okay, so 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 okay, so you're paying this guy ten million dollars. Uh, uh, all right, uh, all right, so fine, all right, all right, so fine. He has a higher spin rate. Yeah, that that's what the analytics tell us. Does that necessarily mean that he's going to be a better pitcher? No, we're seeing that right now firsthand. But that doesn't mean that the analytics themselves are bad. Uh, that the analytics. No, no, I don't. Nobody's saying it's bad. People are just what, saying what it means. If you're what, what it means it too heavily. What it, what it means is from a correlation standpoint, a higher spin rate doesn't necessarily correlate to better results on the field, and that's an argument in favor of making the analytics models better. Not that analytics are bad. I mean, that's not as. I mean, that's easy said. Like, oh, make it better. But it's not as easy. 
Be done. Well, so. well, well, I mean, there's an entire profession around that. It's called data science. Pretty much. And it's not easy to just build a new model from scratch. And, 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 and look, and this is the entire purpose behind Moneyball. So it, it, it's, so it has been done before. You can put together a scrappy group of guys with low salaries. I mean, the A's did it way back in, in the early 2000s. The Rays almost pulled it off in 2008 with, with, a, with a really, really little payroll. The A's didn't actually win the World Series. That's important to note. And by the way, Oakland... They're on a 12-game winning streak right now. I don't know if you're aware of that. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of insane right now. Yeah, like, the, the, the eight. So, so, yeah, that's, that's, that's the thing. Like, not, not just uh, have the Red Sox cooled down, but with, with other teams keeping up with them. Uh, of course, you get that big series going on between, between the Dodgers and... And Padres. Oh, yeah, that's the fun. And, and that, that, I feel like that's, that, that's an emerging rivalry right there. It's, it's a battle for... Fernando Tatis, he hit two home runs the other day, too. So, he's, so, so he's the real deal for that. So... So I like yes, so that that's gonna be super super interesting, but but now but now I mean Milwaukee's also doing well and Milwaukee now has a better record than than the Red Sox and so do the A's and so so uh, it's still little, early. I mean the Red Sox are thirteen and nine, which is fine for this point of the season. They're still I, maybe, still maybe I just position? kind of got to an emotional high last week. Like oh my god, I thought the Red Sox sucked, but they're actually doing really well. Okay, now they've fallen back to earth. I said last week that there's gonna be a reversion to the mean. I don't know what that mean is. We have the entire season to resolve what that is. I mean, thirteen and nine. You know, you take that though. After what happened last yeah, season. Yeah, yeah. Also, I, I did want to mention this. Not, not bad at all. I mean, it's still one more. The division. So one more Red Sox good. point. Just, I just want to mention. I want to give him a shout out because he's been excellent. Nick Pavetta. This man has been excellent. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The Red Sox got him from the Phillies, and this is actually like Kyan Bloom, the Red Sox manager. This is sorry, general manager, not manager. Managers, of course, Alex Cora, but the general manager. This is one of his great finds, Nick Pavetta, and I think he's done a terrific job trying to identify these types of players. And oh yeah, I think that's like the analytics background. He, this is something where the analytics worked out because Pavetta has been terrific for the Red Sox. So was Garrett Whitlock. Garrett Whitlock is awesome. They got him from the Yankees of all teams, and now Garrett Whitlock looks like an absolute steal for the team. Yesterday he came in, he didn't allow a couple hits, but still hasn't allowed an earned run this season. So I think the Red Sox, obviously, look, I mean, it's been kind of frustrating. Like they lost 8-2 today, but they are back at it tomorrow, and hopefully it's the start of another uh, winning streak. I mean, so far since Baltimore, that opening series, they haven't lost a series since then. They have tied a couple series, but they're at least, I also say 13-9, I'll take that at this point of the season, especially considering expectations were so low for this team. So that's our Red Sox coverage, obviously, and baseball coverage. Obviously, the Red Sox are, um, I still say they're in the right yeah. direction. Of Pivetta, another, another one of those gems from north of the border. Yep, pretty much. Nick Pavetta. Awesome. But I mean, with Rohan, let's talk about the Bruins now. So we had four games. Yeah, they had a six-game winning streak until uh, until last night. <laughs> yeah, lost to the Sabres. But you know what? It happens. But it happens, right? Like, I mean, you play the same team three games in a row in in the same city. And I know Buffalo's yeah, really bad. They're bottom. They're bottom. Let's see. They two out of three. That's not bad. But, you know, yeah, it happens. Like, I'm not actually as bothered by this. Like, you know, Buffalo was yeah, actually Actually, actually yes, yesterday's team really lost. Yesterday's game was pretty entertaining. I'm just yeah, 6-4. Like, I mean, you're down 5-1, yeah, and then you make it 5-4. They, they make it interesting. They get three goals, and then, and then like, uh, like, like a historic game for Kevin Miller, for Stephen Camper. Kevin Miller, like, in his first game in, in close to years, I want to say. I, I don't call me. I might get that wrong. But uh, Stephen Camp- he was good. Yeah, they were good yesterday. I mean, it happens. Like, who it was Swayman who started. But, but, yesterday. It was it Rask? Uh, no, 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 no. It was Rask who started. And then after, I, I, after he went in the fourth goal, they brought in Halak, and then Halak let in another one. 
Oh, Rask. That means we're going to hear the Swayman crowd even more going forward. But I mean, overall, it's been good. I mean, they and, and then, like, the, the, the third, like the, the fourth one was really, too, right? that, that was that was really a soft one because it was just a direct shot, and it was it wasn't really much of a screen, and it really he, that that really should have been. Those are the kind of saves that used to be routine for Rask, and and you were saying in the past that that okay, like uh, I'm skeptical of Rask, and I, I've always loved Rask. <laughs> There's only so many times that you can let in. Yeah, look, look, here's the thing with Tuca, right? I'm going to say this again. At this point, it's going to come down to how far Tuca can take you. Like, Swayman's a nice player, but I don't know. I don't buy the whole, like, hot goalie uh, idea, like, the idea. Like, the hot goalie idea is, like, oftentimes you have, like, what St. Louis had in 2019 with Jordan Bennington. Like, you have, like, you ride, like, the hot goalie's hand to the Stanley Cup title. Like, I think Philadelphia in uh, 2010, when they made it to the Stanley Cup final, I forget, Michael Layton. Michael Layton, yeah. And I forgot they had someone else. Like they basically rode that to the Stanley Cup final, and they lost. And Philly actually lost to Chicago in six games. Yeah, Michael Layton. He was used yeah. backup behind uh behind uh Ray Emery. Yeah, yeah, possible. I forget, but yeah, the year the Philly came back from a three zero against Boston. So like, and it was like the thing is well, that was that was such a weird that was such a weird year. They ended up winning classic and then collapsed in the playoffs. Yeah, no, that was a frustrating Flyer. team. But Flyers, you know, they did Flyers win the next the year. Final, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they did win the next year and they swept Philly, so that was a good measure of revenge. This time you did not blow a three zero lead. You actually finished the job in game four. But anyways, that aside, what I just want to mention was oftentimes we talk about like the hot goalie hand. I still think Rask for this season is your best chance of winning because he's the experienced guy. Maybe Swayman, I don't know. Do you trust Swayman to go on some like really historic run for the Bruins? And like, like I, I've, what I've seen from Swayman is I like what I've seen from him. He can, but, he definitely can. But do you, I, I don't know. Like, I mean, so what's the, like, the Bruins what I, what are, I, what I look, what I roll the dice on him. If both Rask and Halak are healthy, I don't know about that, but if, if um, Rask or Halak have to be out and we have to put our faith in Swayman, I would not be worried. Let me put it that way. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's just a lot of unproven stuff. I know, like, I mean, but like, but, if you but, 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 but hey, that's a good problem to have. We, we got four. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that actually kind of brings me to next year. Like, what's the situation? Because Rask is a free agent. Halak is also a free agent. And you have uh, Swayman and Daniel Vladar. Like, you have your two young goalies. Do you bring Rask back? Because uh, let's just being realistic. You're not bringing back both Rask and Halak now. You're just I bringing say, back like, uh, give, so, like, give him like a one I say, I mean, I don't know if Tuka, I think Tuka, like based on what I've been hearing about him, they might ask for, he might go for like a three-year contract. Because I think at this point, Tuka, the way his situation is, he's either playing for Boston or he's retiring. There's no trade or any of that stuff. I don't think he's going to play for another team at this point. I think he's uh, yeah, he, he's, much, he's, he's, he's kind of at that age where, world. he's kind of at that age where, where he's probably not going to, he's, he, he's at an age where he could retire, but if he can extend his career in Boston, he'll do it. Yeah, I mean, Look, I mean, as much as we like to dump on him, he is still a very good goalie. And right now, the Bruins' best chances at a cup are involve a healthy Tuka Rask playing at the best of his ability. What happened in 2019, basically, until that Game 7 against St. Louis. So, yeah, I think the Bruins still, they're trending in the right direction since uh, Taylor Hall, they got him from the Sabres. They, <laughs> yesterday was their first loss since they... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He's been I, good. I mentioned, I mentioned, I mentioned good, last man. week that that they they needed to add depth to their second, third, and fourth lines, and that that's largely been true. Riley, Riley's a good defender too. Like that has been a oh, yeah. like 
That is a good addition. And so they, they are trending in the right direction. I just want to see them keep playing this way. You do play Buffalo two more times. And at this point, the schedule, but like, what, 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 what I will say is that, is that, is that compared to other teams, I mean, they definitely have an easier schedule. And since they have a couple of games in hand over the Rangers who are, uh, who are, I believe four or is it six points behind, but given that I, 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 the Bruins just have to stay where they are because I, I at this stage, the, the way that the playoff format works, given the fact that it's one v four, two v three, if they make it to the third slot, they may very well end up playing the Caps or the Islanders. Well, they can beat the Caps. They beat them six three. Yeah, they, they have they have they have beaten the Caps, but but what I'm saying is that there's not really much of an incentive to to really climb in the standings for the Bruins right now. They get to the third slot or even the second slot. If you, if in New York, the Islanders, like I mean, you, after they beat them two days in a row, I, I'm feeling I'm feeling more confident now because now they actually like finally they the Islanders were like their boogeyman basically. I mean, I mean, I, I mean, like I, I, but I mean, I got more confidence against Pittsburgh. I mean, they, they got them coming up next week. Yeah, uh, that's going to be a big one Tuesday, right? That's their next game Tuesday against Sydney Crosby. I, 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 it's, I think it's Monday or Tuesday. I, I believe it's I believe it's Tuesday. Yeah, Pittsburgh will be a, a tough one. We'll see what happens though. But anyway, that's yeah, a Bruins yeah, take. Yeah, I mean, they're 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 all, they're, all, they're all tough opponents, but but I I would definitely take them against Pittsburgh rather than take them against the Islanders. I I would do that. But I don't but, know about the Islanders now. I mean, I, but, I think the Islanders but, but it's, have but, kind of but, conquered but, that now. But 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 the way but the way that the playoff structure works is that there's not really much of an incentive for climbing the standings. Okay, like. If you're a four seed, you're still in the playoffs. If you're a three seed, you're still in the playoffs. Four seed versus three seed, you're still going to be on a way ice in the first round. The only thing that's going to differ is, are you going to play the one seed or the two seed? Now, how does that really matter? Now, if it, if it so happens that you tend to play better against the two seed, or the, uh, if it happens that you play better against the one seed than the two seed, then, then, then maybe you're better off finishing fourth than you are finishing third. But who would they play? So where are they right now in the standings again? They're fourth, and, and who would they play if the if the season ended today? Who would they play in the first they, round? They they would be playing. I believe they'd be playing. Uh, they they would be playing. Uh, let's see. Let's see. We would be playing Phoenix. Okay. That's an okay first round matchup. I, I take my chance uh, again. Against again, again, uh, again I, I don't have the information in front of me. That's fine. That's fine. Okay. Okay. That's that's enough. Yeah. Okay. But anyway, that's yeah. our Bruins take for this week. Obviously, they're still like I know yesterday was just a bad game, but I'm, I like the way they're trending. So that's our Bruins take. Let's talk about the Celtics now. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. It would be the thing. I, I just okay. Yep. That's yeah, good. Just... That's good. So, anyways, well, Rohan, let's talk about the Celtics now a little bit. Like, obviously. Um, they had a big, like a, a weekend ago. They had a huge win against the Golden State Warriors. They had a, medi- they had a mediocre week um, after after yeah. after being hot. They had a they had a yeah. precisely mediocre week. But no, that win against the Warriors was I mean, that was an awesome game to watch. Yeah. Jason Tatum, forty four points. Kemba Walker at twenty five points. Jamari Parker, who we had discussed, um, eleven points in his first game with the Celtics. And Steph Curry was just insane, forty seven points, just making threes everywhere. But then, of course, you follow up that with a horrible loss to the Chicago Bulls, one hundred two ninety six, and Tatum. Was yeah, that game. was cringy. Three of 17. I and mean, he did get that triple double, but I really don't care about that stuff, especially when he lose to the Chicago Bulls, who are a terrible team. But they did have a nice win against the Phoenix Suns, 99 to 86. Kemba Walker had 32 points. He was a star of that game. Tatum also had a pretty bad shooting game, three of 17 again. Like, so it's but still, they couldn't get it done against the Nets. Well, yeah, get it done against the Nets. So, so that, that's pretty much the ceiling, right? Like, 
You can't beat good teams like this. Well, the Nets game, at least, I, I will say this. I was frustrated by that game, but also keep in mind, Jalen Brown and Kemba Walker are both out for that game. And obviously the Nets, I know, are also without KD and uh, James Harden. So that balances it out. But I don't know. Like, I feel at least, I don't know. At least I'd like to see, because I think the thing with the Nets is there really isn't, I mean, again, like, I don't think this is going to be a big issue for the Nets, but one of the potential knocks on the Nets for this team for the season is, those three guys, Kevin Durant, uh, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving, those three have not played many games together this season. So the chemistry between those three is still very much a kind of like being built. And chances are like, look, they're in this league, talent wins out, right? So they're going to, uh, whoever they play in the first round, they're going to absolutely stomp because they have three of the best players in the NBA. But I do wonder like going into the second round like or something like that, how good this Nets team can, I mean, obviously look, they should be the favorite, but if um, if KD, KD and Harden are kind of still battling injury right now, if those two like don't ever fully get healthy, then that opens the door for a lot of teams, including the Celtics to potentially play some upsetting role. Like, I mean, and we've seen this before, KD in 2019, after he went down, um, the Raptors were able to beat that Warriors team. So it still be spoilers at the very least. Yeah. So I think the Celtics, I'm not going to look at yesterday. I, yesterday was a frustrating loss in that sense. Like, I mean, Marcus hey, Spartan, like, like Marcus Milwaukee, Milwaukee really, really Philadelphia, bad. like they're, they're, they're like a top Eastern conference. I don't, I don't, I don't put Milwaukee. No, so like, look, I'm, the Celtics, I'm the, Celt- the, the Celtics could be a thorn in their side. I'll say that like this. I think Phil, so if I have to rank tiers right now, I'd say this, uh, tier one in the East, not the West. I'm not, we're just focusing on the East. In the East, tier one, I'd say Brooklyn and Philadelphia. Tier two is Milwaukee. I don't consider Milwaukee to be tier one. The reason I don't do that is because the Celtics, who are, I'm going to say, are a tier three team. The Celtics are tier three. The Celtics actually be, have beaten Milwaukee twice this season. And they're two and one against Milwaukee. And the one time Milwaukee beat them. That's why I said they could be a thorn on their side. No, I, I, don't, I don't buy Milwaukee. I think Milwaukee's a pretender of a team like for a real content i don't they're, they're not a real contender Giannis is awesome the rest of that team i don't buy like i've seen it now for two straight playoffs where they kind of fizzled out late i mean against toronto in the 2019 eastern conference finals and then last year against miami i know miami was good they beat the celtics but they lost to miami in five games and really didn't put up much of a fight in that series so i'm gonna say that about this right now that milwaukee really is not like I don't know. I, I'll, I'll give them tier two. They are better than the Celtics, but I can, I can see the Celtics being Milwaukee. I am having a very, very hard time seeing them beat either Philadelphia and or Brooklyn. They are 0-6 against those two teams combined. So I don't feel at, good at that. At best, I say the Celtics uh, bow out in the second round. That's, that's pretty much their ceiling. Pretty much. I mean, it depends. If they, if they land Milwaukee, then maybe they can go to the conference finals. I don't see them beating Philadelphia or Brooklyn unless, I mean, I don't know. Let's see what happens. Cause I, least... depends on whether Joella beat is healthy or not. Well, yeah, yeah. That, and I mean, if uh, there is an injury to Brooklyn, if like KD and Harden are not fully recovered and Kyrie also does have his injury problems. We know that from his time with the Celtics. So if those, if that happens, then, so that's why I say like, you ought to always like, play the games, right? Because you don't know what's going to happen. Like the Raptors in 2019, I mean, nobody knew that Kevin Durant would have an injury like this, but the Raptors, good for them. They persevered. They actually went through the schedule and they got 
a Warriors team that was depleted and they won the championship. That's the end of the, the goal at the end of the day to win the championship. So the Celtics should absolutely still give effort and we'll see what happens. Like I think if uh, Fournier comes back, yesterday was his first game back. Evan Fournier, like yesterday was, he looked pretty rusty. First game back from the COVID protocol. But I do think that this team, at least now is starting to sort of gel well. Like I'm sort of seeing it a little more. Like obviously the results have been kind of mixed, but I don't know, once Jalen Brown comes back and in the playoffs, you don't have to worry about Kemba, like not like having not having Kemba for like a back-to-back because there are no back-to-backs in the playoffs. So I do feel okay about that, but let's see what happens. Like I'm, I'm not saying this is a championship contender. I do agree with you. Likely this is a second round team at best, but let's see what happens. They play the games for the reason. But that's our Celtics take. And now just for the Patriots, we're just going to mention this really quickly, Rohan, because of course we have a whole show tomorrow dedicated to this. Oh yeah, it's going to be exciting. I don't know. I just want to mention this. You um, you saw the Seth Wickersham article, right? Like, or the, he mentioned it on a podcast. Bill Belichick in 2018 was reportedly talking to the New York Giants, the Miami Dolphins, and the Washington football team. And apparently this was because of the whole like Brady Belichick uh so it looks drama. like it looks like it looks like uh not just one of them was looking to bolt. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, I think there was a I don't I don't know. Like, I mean, I think obviously I think things have changed. Like now that Brady's gone, I think Belichick is committed to staying here at least as long as. Robert Kraft wants him to stay here. So I don't think you have to worry about that as that much, but I guess it shows you how bad it really was. Based, based, on, based on what? I thought you would have said that in 2018 as well. What? Like, said what? Unless, unless you knew what you knew now. So, oh, oh, like, Belichick, he's not. Well, here's the thing, right? Like, in 2018, the Giants part is actually not the Dolphins and Washington team. I actually didn't know about that. But the Giants thing, there was, like, in January of 2018, I do recall reading an article that was talking about how Belichick was potentially I – th- I think it was just, like, a loose rumor at the time that the Giants were interested in Belichick and something like that. So it, was like a, it wasn't, like, a real rumor in that context. But I'm not surprised now. I mean, he's always had an affinity for the Giants. Like, he worked with them in the 80s on one the – two Super Bowls back in the day with them. The Dolphins and Washington football team, though, are a little bit surprising. Like, the Dolphins, I don't really know his relationship. Maybe it's because, like, with Stephen Ross, I don't think he really knows the owner. I don't think he knows him that well. And Dan Snyder, the Washington owner, not a very good person. And I definitely don't know why he'd ever want to work for Dan Snyder over Robert Kraft. Robert Kraft is a very good owner in that context. So, yeah, I don't really know. It's an interesting context, but yeah, this is just going to be our quick Patriots minute for today because we're going to have a whole segment dedicated to them and the draft tomorrow. So stay tuned for that. But Rohan, just the last thing, and this is going to be a Super League fallout, the whole disaster that it was. And John Henry, like, what was he doing? Like, I mean, I don't know. Like, he apologized to Liverpool supporters, but this whole idea was just really kind of from the get-go was never embraced by the fans at all and now you're like in this whole like okay, situation okay. right uh, all right all right so so, there, so there's multiple tiers to this right right so so for the fans there's there's one chunk of fans who wants to see all the best teams go up against each other all the time we kind of already have the champions it. league right the champions league however however from year to year things can change it really depends on whether you get drawn into a group with another opponent or something like that Super- if you're a good team, if you're a good team, shouldn't that not matter? Like, if you want to see the best of the best, like, look, I'm just saying it like this. Manchester United, historically, like, they're good this year. But there was a period of years where they were not a very good team. Like, if you're, like, a supporter, like, if you're a fan of soccer, Manchester United has a historic they, 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 they would have finished the bottom of the Super the, League. In, in that exactly. Case. 
No, but like, what's the point of having this Champions League? Like, I mean, just I'm using Manchester United because I know they're good now, but they're not. They weren't very good for like a six, seven year stretch up to the season. Right now, they're good. But like, if Manchester United is really bad, then that's not what what fans want to see. They'd rather see a team like Leicester City in 2016 actually get through, right, and actually compete because that's the best so, team in the league, right? So, so this goes to what the fans' ire was, and that was the open door versus closed league structure. So most American leagues have a closed league structure where there's no promotion, no relegation. The Super League, as it was proposed, would have done that. And, and, and I can empathize with fans who are pissed about that. And, and, and I agree with them on that sentiment because, because, like you said, a team like Leicester never would have been let in, even though they won the Premier League in 2016. 16, yep. So given, given all of that, it's, it's, it's justifiable that the fans were angry about that. So, but, but at the same time, you want to see the best of the best go up against each other pretty often. And the Champions League doesn't always do that um, to the level that it could be doing. And, and this is because the schedule is so crowded. So rather than do top that... Teams, because I mean, here's the thing. Top teams, top teams have to play the Champions League as well as the domestic. So I was actually proposing. I was actually thinking, what if you just had the Super League on its own, where it's separated from the domestic leagues, where the teams that make it to the Super League don't have to be in these crowded schedules. They don't have to play their domestic league. But at the same time, they got to earn their spot to be in that Super League by finishing near the top of the domestic. League. How do you how, how do you do this? Like what? How many leagues? So just with this proposal, this idea, how many teams from each of the like? So okay, well, I'm obviously you have EPL, you have La Liga, okay. Bundesliga, right. the Serie sure, A, sure. Um, the French League, Ligue One, right? Liga, Ligue Liga. One, and then and then you have to include Port. FC Porto and then Netherlands. How are you going to go? Okay, with, these are all right. Okay, teams. okay. How do you do all right. So, so, so as it, so, so, um, when it gets to the group stage of the Champions League, you got thirty-two teams. So they could have some sort of situation where we have um those thirty-two teams placed in a separate league or divided to sixteen and sixteen. I, I was actually thinking maybe place. The How team. do you choose those teams that should be placed there? Ba- based on the previous leagues, um, domestic. No, but how do you choose? Like, how, how do you determine? Are we going to choose like the top two teams from each of these leagues, top four teams? Like, how is it going to work? The domestic leagues, the domestic leagues. Yeah, yeah. So, are you going to say, this, how many teams from this, each of the leagues? The, yeah, yeah. The, 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 the same way it goes right now. You, you would have that same system in place to have those teams in the Super League for the first year. But then the following year, what you could do then is have promotion and relegation from the Super League back into the domestic leagues where the top. Domestic teams can make it into the Super League. So if you had a team like Leicester or something like that, who had went on this insane run like in 2016, they could make it into the Super League. And the teams that are at the bottom of the Super League, they get relegated. That's not as bad of an idea. I think what the issue was like, is it was like a very... And you can get UEFA involved as well. Because, because I mean, some, some of this outrage was from fans, but I can't help but think that a lot of the outrage was also from UEFA. And so... Yeah, I mean, it's basically they're kind of going... When, when, back, and and, and, and UEFA was a big business. When UEFA is a big business entity, the way the way that it works, I mean, they hurt a lot of small teams. I think that's what people they're, are. They're 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 not going to take kindly to uh to to a bunch of big teams trying to subvert them. And as you said, a bunch of small teams were pissed as well. However, I'm not quite sure if if a change in the format would really help them very much because it's not like they really have much of a chance anyways to begin with. Most of the chance that they have, quote unquote, chance that they have of getting into the Champions League really only exists in theory. And that's kind of the irony I see about European sports as opposed to American sports, because European sports 
is supposedly more of a meritocracy because you have promotion and relegation. And anyone, no matter how bottom of the bottom you are, in theory, you could rise to the top. But European leagues don't have the same kind of revenue sharing that American leagues do. So just when you're up against really, really rich teams who have the best players from, from, from all over, you really don't have a chance unless there's any kind of revenue sharing model. You can really kiss off any chances of really making it to the top. And so, and so it's, it's really kind of a trade-off, right? It's, it's, is it, it, uh, do you have a chance in theory of making it to the top, like in Europe, or do you have a, a real chance like you do in America, except you have a smaller pool of teams because most teams only have, uh, most leagues only have 30 or 32 teams in case of the NFL. Oh. North. Let me just also ask you this then. But but European leagues have several tiers, 20 teams in the top tier, 20, 24 teams in, in the second tier. And, and so so you can always go down to like the, the Sunday leagues, the weekend leagues, and the amateur. Wait, well, let me just ask you this then. Like about like as a Liverpool as a noted Liverpool support, I know you are. Are you really are you angry at John Henry or what are your feelings at John Henry for this? I so so my, my feelings with, with John Henry about this is this. like I look, I really so my stance is that I'm I'm in favor of a Super League, just not the way that it was proposed. So you're not as mad at John Henry as other Liverpool fans. So, 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 like, so, so, if John Henry were to go ahead with this, I would not have liked it. And so I think it's a good thing that he stepped back and, and, and. Didn't. I feel like, I don't know, do you see his However, 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 however. however was so weak. However, I don't think, however, I think he did the right thing, but I think he did it for the wrong reasons because he did the right thing in saying no. Um, to the Super League, but I think he did it to the wrong for, for the wrong reasons. I think he just did it because he feared that he would face blowback from fans. As oh yeah, that's what happened. He basically had to do that apology, right? He had to give that apology, and of course, like I don't know, like when I listen to him talk, I always just see hear someone who doesn't really care about like the team. Yeah, come, on, like, come on, come on, like John, himself. yeah, John, John Henry. He may be the owner of, uh, of, of Liverpool, but let's be honest. I mean, his his heart is on this side of the pond. He, he may own a team on the other side of the pond. And, and he's made them good. He's a good owner. Like, I, as much as we want to criticize him, he, I, I mean, Liverpool, right? I mean, they haven't won anything since like the 90s, right? He comes in, Champions League in 28, sorry, 2019, uh, championship, and then uh, you finally win the EPL in 2020. And then for the Red Sox, of course, we have to even go into it. Comes in 2002. Red Sox have won four World Series. Then after having, but won but of course, nothing, but of course, yeah, I mean, you got, you got to be sensitive about the fact that that we're we're speaking about this as two Americans here. No, and, I know, I know, but John Henry's for, still for a good people, owner. For, He's for, for helped people, Liverpool. He's for two people, Liverpool. Like, if you're if you're if you're if you're an English fan on the other side of the pond, you need to like, like what the hell? Might be upset, but you have to be careful. Like, if you want him gone, that's a big risk because John Henry, he will help you at least. Like, he's. I mean, Liverpool didn't win anything until he came, right? They didn't win it literally. They hadn't won anything since like the 90s, way before he came. They were like a laughing stock. People used to say Liverpool fans just talked about the past. You don't have to do that's that some, anymore. That, you have that, 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 and oh, that, that, that was somewhat true. But I mean, it was definitely true in the height of the, of the Manu dynasty. Exactly. But now you've won more recently than Manchester United and Manchester, Manchester City. Obviously, it's a down season and they happen. But John Henry still, I say he's a good owner and he should not have to sell this team because of this. Liverpool fans should understand. And still, like, I understand you're angry about what's happened. But just remember, John Henry, 2020 EPL Championship, 2019 Championship. And, and also, championship. If, if, if anyone had to be pissed about this, it would be fans of teams that are not that would not have been in the supposed super league 
not Liverpool fans, because if the Super League had gone through, Liverpool would have been in it. And I, I'm guessing that a lot of the outrage, while some of it might have come from Liverpool fans, probably a lot of it came from like Sheffield United. But also, but also, but also, it wasn't just outrage from fans uh, themselves. It, there was also political blowback as well. I mean, Prime Minister Boris Johnson, the UK. President Emmanuel so players were also critical, like Tony Cruz um, of uh, Real Madrid still, right? He was critical of it too. So players were not really on board with this either. So it's good that this kind of ended like this. But maybe, yeah, down the road, maybe they come up with some solution. But yeah, no, that's definitely the interesting situation. We just wanted to talk about the Super League a little bit. But that's going to be our episode for this week. Obviously, we will, all, we will be back tomorrow with some special guests. As I mentioned, tomorrow, Rohan, thanks for coming on. Obviously, we'll sure. see you again tomorrow Ho- night. Hopefully, hopefully we get a panel draft. tomorrow. Yeah, we should have a panel. And I'll, keep the, I'll add the suspense by not mentioning who's coming on. But... You might be able to figure out if you watched any of our previous episodes or listen to them on Anchor. But anyways, as always, we're going to be on the CV Update. You can follow us on Instagram at the CV Update Podcast. Have a good night, everyone. We will be back tomorrow, though. So uh, have a good night and take right. care. Peace, See everyone. you guys.